Nature loves courage. You make the commitment, and nature will respond to that commitment by removing impossible obstacles. Dream the impossible dream, and the world will not grind you under. It will lift you up. Terrence McKenna. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I first want to let you guys know, we're going to release a really, really powerful opportunity in October. Yeah, I'm going to leave it at that, but this is going to be something awesome for you guys. Again, we'll make it public in October. The opportunity will not be going down in October, but you'll be able to register or sign up or whatever you call it once we release it. Why am I telling you this? One, because I'm fired up about it, and this project is the main thing that I'm working on right now. And I'm just so freaking excited to release it to you guys and tell you what it is and the details of it. But also I'm telling you this because I am going to release this opportunity, the details on this opportunity first to the people on our mailing list. So you will get first eyes on this opportunity that I'm talking about. If you haven't joined the 3 of 7 Project mailing list, please go do so on 3of7project.com. Just scroll down a little bit and you'll see a place to put your email in. The reason we're trying to build this mailing list is so we can stay in touch with you guys directly and not rely on the algorithms of Instagram. So we're trying to build this network stronger. We've got an awesome community and family built around 3of7. 3of7 Project, Podcast, You guys are what you guys are the body of 3 of 7 Project. So, on October 1st, I am going to release the details on this upcoming opportunity that we are building for you guys. And I have a feeling you've been hungry for something like this, and that's why we are putting in the work to make it happen. All right, next order of business, the basic course, we're going to hammer out. We're sold out. The basic course is sold out through the rest of the year, 2020. We're going to hammer out today, actually this evening, some of the initial course dates for 2021. So springtime 2021. So if you're interested in joining us on a mission in 2021, you can always send your application to, uh, I think it's 307basiccourse at Gmail. Yeah. And again, what we're looking for there is, yeah, it's three, the number three of the number seven basic course at gmail.com. What I'm looking for there is your five W's, who you are, what you do, when you want to come and join a mission, join a team, uh, where you're coming from, just so I get a little idea 
of who you are. I read through all of these applications. We've had literally hundreds of applications for the basic course. I read through every single one, and we handpick the candidates for each and every team. I can't even describe to you what the, the basic course is. You just have to come out on a mission. It's life-changing. Every single course has been life-changing. So, but yeah, we'll be hammering out those dates for at least the at least a couple of the uh, spring, early summer courses for 2021. Just wanted to keep you guys up to date on that. We are sold out through the rest of 2020. Have been for quite a while. These things we can only take eight people per team, so they fill up really really quick. Uh, I mean, almost immediately. They're full before we even release the dates, but. We will have room in 2021. We are going to pour our body, soul, and spirit into the basic course in 2021 because it is the standard, the most powerful team event that I believe exists, period. All right, maybe I'm biased. I don't know. Ask, reach out to some of the students. Ask them. What they think about it. Don't ask me. You can find them on Instagram. All right. The sponsors for today's show. We'll start with Salty Britches. You guys know about Salty Britches, I hope. If you don't, Salty Britches is the anti-chafing cream that I use for all of my endurance events, ultra marathons. Uh, we use it, you know, we use it very extensively out on the basic course. The students use it. I keep a tube of it with me everywhere I go. It is the premier anti-chafing cream on the market today. It stays on. You apply this stuff one time, and it's good to go for like, for me, like 24 straight hours of running. I put it on all the hot spots. I use a thin layer on my feet, pull my socks on over top. And, um, yeah, it works 100%. We love Amy. Amy is the owner and creator of Salty Britches. We love her. We love her company. She stands behind her product. She is one of the most passionate business owners that I know, and that's why her product is so good because she has poured her heart and soul into this product. So, please, if you get out and run, train, swim, surf, hike, whatever, Go buy, a, uh, go buy a tube of Salty Britches at GetSaltyBritches.com. Also, follow them on Instagram at GetSaltyBritches. They have given us a pro code. I will post it in the show notes of this episode. So if you guys order, use that pro code. That way you get your discount. Thank you, Salty Britches. Our next sponsor is Natural Rapport. And it's pretty cool because today's episode is all, is all about nutrition and uh, how to feed your body properly. And so let's not forget about the nutrition of our animals that we have at home. We have two dogs here at the house. We use Natural Rapport for all of their treats, all of the pet essentials, their shampoo, their ear cleaner. Um, they, they have a whole line of products that are gentle, safe, and effective they are single-ingredient products, all sourced and made and manufactured in the United States of America. Natural Rapport 
is the standard when it comes to caring for your pets. So thank you, Natural Poor, for supporting the show, for providing great products, treats, and grooming products for our dogs here at home because we love them. If you guys are interested in ordering some Natural Rapport, go to naturalrapport.com. They have also given us a pro code. I will attach that in the show notes of this episode. Follow them on Instagram at naturalrapport. I believe in these products, both of these, Salty Bridges and Natural Rapport. I know the owners of both of these companies very personally. They are great individuals, and they pour their thought into these products to make them the best that they possibly can. So support the companies that support this show. We thank you. Thank you for everyone that supports us on Patreon. It is a game changer for us. Love you guys. All right, today's show is with a good friend of mine named Gene Maxwell. Let me read you just real quick who Gene is. Gene is a registered dietitian with over 10 years of experience. She's earned her master's degree in nutrition from uh, East Carolina University, and she's currently in the process of earning her doctorates of science in integrative healthcare from Huntington University. She is extremely intelligent when it comes to diet and nutrition. Obviously, she has the resume to back it up. She has the credentials. This is not something that um, that she's coming up with. It's not her opinion, right? She knows the science behind it. And so we get to talk to Jean here for quite a while about how to take care of our bodies properly from a nutritional standpoint. This episode is packed with actionable takeaways. Gene is just loaded with knowledge. And we could have went on for four hours. I cut this one off at about an hour and a half. I wanted you guys to be able to digest all the information that's contained in this episode when in terms of diet and nutrition. I want you guys to be able to process that. We're going to have a follow-on episode or episode number two come out a little later on where we're going to dig deeper into some of these topics. But I think you're going to enjoy it. I know I enjoyed it and learned a ton of stuff to take my nutrition to the next level. Why do I want to take my nutrition to the next level? Because the better I feel, the better my body feels, the better my soul and spirit are going to be. The more I'm going to thrive from a soul and spirit perspective, right? You can't feel like crap. You can't eat like crap and expect to have the other parts in alignment. So that's why this is so important. I hope you guys enjoy it. I'll attach uh, Gene's website and Instagram social media handles in the show notes. Reach out to her. She's doing a lot of good work. All right. Here she is, Miss Jean Maxwell. Man, welcome to the 307 podcast, Jean. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, uh, we've been pumped up about having you on the show uh, for a couple months now. Yeah. Yeah, we've been fired up. And uh, what can, can you give us just a real quick background on who Jean Maxwell is personally and professionally? 
Okay. Um, well, uh, as you know, I am Jean Maxwell. I am a registered dietitian. I live here in Suffolk, uh, formerly your town of residence. Um, and so right now I am the team coordinator for clinical nutrition at Centera Obesity Hospital, but I also have a little side practice, uh, Maxwell Nutrition, where I do consulting. I work with gym clients. I work with um, people who are just trying to either manage their chronic conditions or overall just eat healthier, get fit, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then to add to that onto my resume, I'm also a student of a doctorate program for integrative healthcare. And I'm, I'm in an online program at a school called Huntington University. So Jean knows, Jean knows what she's talking about. If you hadn't figured that out yet. Right. Uh, so how and how we know Jean is from Suffolk. When we lived in Suffolk, when I was active duty, Jean, you were the, I guess, contractor for CFIT. And that's right. how Brooke met you. I think this, the information that you gave Brooke over the course of years was a, was a game changer. She's always been a huge advocate for Jean Maxwell. And I have too. Uh, when you talk to Jean, you can just tell she's passionate about this. This is what she loves. How and and speaking of that, where how did you find your passion for like nutrition and food? Because this is so to me, this seems like so much more than just a job to you. It is. That's true. Um, so it actually was from a personal experience that I had. Um, so when I was I was actually a biology major in college. Not really sure where I was going with that. That was just what I was interested in. And so I had, um, I actually got diagnosed with IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome. And I, I had a lot of issues. Um, like most 19 year olds, I didn't eat very well. Um, I was already a vegetarian, but not a very good one. You know, I ate a lot of junk, you know, again, typical college diet. Um, and it was giving me a lot of problems. And so when I was finally diagnosed with it, the doctor kind of talked to me and was like, Hey, look, you need to eat more vegetables. You need to get some fiber in your life. And I was like, okay, you know, seemed kind of like a silly thing for a doctor to say, but I was like, all right, you know, I'll bite, whatever. So I started eating more salads, things like that. And lo and behold, I felt better and my symptoms got better. And like something just clicked in my brain that I was like, Oh my God, this is so obvious. You know, like why, why didn't I think of this? And so I kind of started getting interested in you know, looking at other, other things and how nutrition could really benefit, you know, both healthy people and people who already had some issues. So I think I just went and took a summer class at the community college here, um, just like a basic nutrition class. And after that, I was just, I was hooked. Just the whole concept of, of, you know, vitamins and nutrients and, and all of these processes that they have in the body. And I sort of, you know, put that together with my, with my biology um, education and just, down the rabbit hole from there. That's awesome. <laughs> and so ended up switching and, and going to school to get a, a master's degree in nutrition after that. And that's, that, I think that's a common thread when you see people that are as passionate as you are about what you do is you had an experience that drove you, that propelled you into that passion. So it wasn't something that somebody told you or something that somebody had to convince you to do. It was like you had this experience that changed your life. And then instead of being selfish and just holding all that in and not sharing it with everybody else, you became passionate about it. And now there's no telling how many thousands of lives that yeah. you've been able to touch with the wisdom that you have and that you've uh, accumulated over the years. That's that's amazing. And I want to ask you real quick, sorry, baby, on no. fiber, 
on fiber. <laughs> How much fiber should we be getting? But I had questions for the intro before you. Oh start my bad. No, just answer this one. Oh How much gosh. fiber should we be getting every day? Because I I want to know because apparently that's pretty important. And then I'll let Brooke weeks. answer her her intro or ask her intro questions. Jeez. Okay. All right. So. Well, I will say it kind of depends on the person. Um, you know, there are certain health conditions where you need a little bit more or less fiber. So having said that, um, average person, I mean, what the re recommendations are as far as the dietary guidelines is for women, it's 25 to 35 grams a day. For men, it's 30 to 40 grams a day. I personally find that a little bit low, um, wow. especially if, you know, like I said, if there are other elements in your diet, like, um, don't worry, I'm not bashing meat eaters. I'm just saying if you eat a lot of meat, for example, you might need a little more fiber in your diet just to help with that digestive process and, the, you know, moving everything through the system. So, you know, so, um, and then, you know, people with high cholesterol, they need a, a great deal of fiber because that can actually help remove the cholesterol from their body. So, so it depends. <laughs> so it isn't, so fiber is really important then. I, that's oh, what I've, I've heard. It's like, um, like the, the, little broom sweepers that kind of sweep all the bad stuff out of your intestines. And I've heard it can help with like not getting cancer and all of that. So I never knew fiber was so important until here recently. Yeah. Um, so the way fiber works is it, that, that analogy of it being kind of like a scrub brush is, is pretty spot on because it, it literally cleans out, you know, you've heard that term roughage. Well, that's what it is. It's rough and it, and it kind of scrubs things that are adhering in, in the intestinal tract it also, um, the reason it's, it's part of uh, cancer preventative is because certain things, when they sit in your digestive system for too long, will start to ferment. They start creating these byproducts that, are, that you don't want in the body. So the whole purpose of you having a digestive system is other than absorbing nutrients is to get rid of waste products. So you don't want those waste products sitting in the body because they become other things that, you know, can, can have long-term health effects. So the fiber helps sort of push things through you know, and, and then pull all these things off that are, that might be sticking in the sides and help it flush out of the body. So, so yeah, it really is critical. And on top of that, it, it helps to feed those gut bacteria, which, um, I have a feeling we're probably going to talk about a little bit too. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they, that is actually food for them. So for them to be able to do what they do for us, they have to eat too. And what they eat is fiber. Boom. Right off the bat. Oh. <laughs> Boom. Be quiet. Good information <laughs> right off the bat. And Thank you, Gene. Since he went into a rabbit hole, before I can dote on you no, for do a your second. Intro. No, do your No, no, it's fine. What What are some high fiber foods that are like an easy go for a snack or throughout the day to make sure we're getting enough fiber? Hey, I was going to ask that. That's a great question. So you guys are on the same wavelength. See? Yeah. Uh, well, basically any fruit or vegetable, you know, again, there are some that are a little bit higher than others, but like just an apple, for example, is a great option or some, uh, some dates or a banana or an orange, you know, fruit is, is great because it's portable. So it is something you can kind of just grab and go. You don't really have to do a lot of preparation. Um, but yeah, like raw veggies, you know, maybe dipped in some kind of hummus, something like that. Hummus will give you a little fiber as well because it's a bean product. So anything made of beans, any fruit, any vegetable. Um, and then you can do things like, uh, you know, there's, there's oatmeal, there's high fiber bread. So you could even make like a sandwich really quick. And you, you know, you want that good bread that's got like where you can see all the seeds and the oats and you know, that's the bread that you want to go for as opposed to some more refined, you know, that white soft bread, there's basically no fiber in that. Yeah. So, so there 
are within certain types of foods, there are higher fiber choices. So bread would be one example. Quick, That's awesome. quick side note on talking about bread and like looking at the quality of your bread. When we, we had chickens, Jean knows she used to get our eggs mm-hmm. and, um, we used to go to this bakery downtown and buy these like a truck bed full of bread for like $5. And I'm not bashing that certain brand. It was just the one I noticed. It was wonder bread, white bread stayed in a black trash can in our backyard for two months. And when I got it out to give to the chickens, it didn't have a spot of mold on it. It looked like ready to eat. And that's so like, scary dude that's so scary like, yeah yeah so, that so ain't bread we buy the um ezekiel frozen bread the sprouted grain bread that's what i typically eat as well yeah yeah and and speaking of fiber getting fiber from beans you have to soak your beans oh, before no. you cook them if you did if you guys Not didn't know beans. that we'll dry it like dried beans because one time brooke made us chili and she did not soak the beans and it was the worst gas pain stomach ache <laughs> i've ever had in my life yeah that's a lesson you learned the hard way oh I my guess. gosh <laughs> we were Ill. terrible yes. man so you're definitely right about that if you especially if you're not as seasoned with eating beans you know um there are compounds in beans called lectins and they can be a little bit difficult for some people to digest. So if, if you're buying them in the can, it's not an issue because they've been soaking already. So that kind of takes care of the process. So you're dumping out that water. Um, it's already been broken down quite a bit. But yeah, if you don't soak them, yeah, you're in for a little bit of a, a, a nasty surprise. To <laughs> no. sure. I was down hard for like two days after we I ate so that chili, sick. man. But you said they're called lectins? Yeah, they're called lectins. And there are other things too. I mean, there some of the carbohydrates in beans are not found in, in necessarily other carbohydrate foods. You know, there are certain enzymes that your digestive system produces to help you break down different things. One of those is lectins. One of those are some of the other carbohydrates in the beans. So if you aren't used to eating those foods a lot, you don't have as much of those enzymes and your body's kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, what? what is this? What are you putting in here? And, and so, yeah, you... So I always tell people who are trying to bump up their fiber intake, you know, if you're not eating much fiber in the first place, you need to do this gradually and kind of start working it up because otherwise that's what's going to happen. You're going to have bloating, you're going to have discomfort, you're going to have gas, you know, you're not going to be feeling great. And then you're going to be like, oh, okay, well, fiber's bad for me. I'm not doing that. So, you know, just like anything else, you have to sort of transition yourself into um, incorporating more of that. Solid, solid information, yeah, man. You do not need to be any more gassy. Than no, I definitely don't. But <laughs> I mean, just the fiber thing, the awareness around that. I mean, you to get forty grams of fiber a day, you that like that takes. I guarantee you, ninety percent of the population is not getting forty grams of fiber a day. Like that takes some awareness and some effort to get. Absolutely. I mean, I've been trying to be more aware of it with chia seeds. I even checked dates the other day. I think a date has like four grams of fiber in it. So mm-hmm. I've been looking at that and thinking, man, you know, you gotta. Man, you got to really be aware to be able to get that amount of fiber in your day-to-day diet. So it takes a little effort, but it sounds like it's super important, something that we can all implement right now to make our health a little better, uh, even in the long term, it sounds like. so. Simple and good food. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you got, Biscuit? Gene already 
she already spoke on what like I mean we have a couple things but I wanted to talk about gut bacteria because that, my favorite I know well, and <laughs> I kind of knew a little bit about it but Jean kind of propelled me into the realm and answered a lot of questions for me and I've struggled with not only diet but anxiety and you know some depression and it, it was crazy. I knew food could help, but I didn't understand gut bacteria. Um, and that's something I've delved into, and I believe it's helped me tremendously. And I don't that's understand awesome. it. I still don't understand it, Gene. So put this in country boy logic terms <laughs> in the beginning, and then we can go down the rabbit hole. Okay. Don't let me go too far. Feel free to pull me back. <laughs> Brooke knows I'm a total geek for this particular topic, so I could go on and on and on. So you know, redirect me if necessary. Um, so what do you guys want to know specifically about, about these little guys? Um, layman's terms, what they are, um, what they do for us, how we feed them, and then kind of different areas in how they can benefit us. Okay. All right. So, um, well, so you, you may hear the term, you know, like gut flora. Sometimes you hear gut microbiome. I think microbiome is kind of the more the more popular term. So, so this basically encompasses all of the little microorganisms that live in your digestive system. So it's actually not just bacteria. There's also some yeasts. There's also some, um, some fungi, you know, some things like that, which sounds kind of scary. Um, but I mean, the truth is we're more bacterial cells than we are human cells. Um, and this is a hard concept for some people to grasp because it, it, sounds kind of weird, you know, but, but these things protect us, you know, there, there are good, there are good organisms and there are bad ones. And, you know, the good ones, I mean, they live on your skin, they live in your mouth, they live everywhere because they have to protect you from pathogens and other undesirables, shall we say. Um, so, so the ones in your gut have a number of roles, one of which I kind of already touched on is they take fiber and they turn it into things that are beneficial for us. One of those would be fatty acids. Okay, so you can actually take carbohydrates that you eat and the, the little guys digest that and they make, and fatty acids, we need to make cell membranes. We need those to make um, certain body substances like mucus. So, so those are all used for other purposes, okay? Uh, they also help manufacture nutrients. So for example, vitamin K and B12, are both made by way of those bacteria digesting the foods that you eat and turning them into a useful, a useful uh, form. Okay. So the vitamin K that you're eating and, you know, with all the spinach or things like that would be completely useless if you didn't have these gut bacteria to convert them into things that we can actually use. Wow. So, so that's one of their main roles. Uh, they also help to break down substances that are introduced from outside the body. So for example, um, pharmaceuticals like antibiotics, um, toxins that you encounter in the environment, you know, you may drink water and it has metals in it. You know, we don't know we're exposed to, to thousands of things every day. So, so bacteria take those things that you're, they call xenobiotics. Okay. And they, again, they help neutralize them so that they are not toxic to the body. So that's another thing. And they also do that from within, you know, certain things that we may ingest, they help turn those things from something that could potentially harm us into a more, uh, a more benign or a harmless substance. So, so that's a really big role. And then they make all kinds of different um, enzymes. They make 
some of our neurotransmitters. They help our body make serotonin. So neurotransmitters are basically our hormones that dictate our emotions and our feelings and our thought processes. It's what allow our brain and our body to communicate with each other. Okay. So an example of that would be serotonin. Um, if you don't have the right kind of gut bacteria, you can't make serotonin and serotonin is what dictates, um, you know, mood. So people who suffer from anxiety, depression, ADHD, even those people tend to have low levels of serotonin. So that's kind of where this, this loops back around, um, that the gut and the brain are very strongly connected to each other. So if you're not making enough serotonin, which is made in your gut, by the way, most people don't realize that. Um, and then it's sent to the brain. So if you don't have enough in the gut, you don't have enough in the brain. Yeah. And so, serotonin sleep too, right? Very. That, well, that's, that's melatonin. Melatonin. Okay. Yeah. And they are made from different amino acids. So serotonin is made from one and then mel and melatonin is made from another. But um, the same principle applies because if you don't have enough of that amino acid, you can't make melatonin or you can't make serotonin or what have you. Um, and then the other main thing that bacteria do is they help with our immune system. So they're, again, they're there to protect you against food poisoning, diseases, you know, contagious diseases, anything like if you were to drink some, some bad water that maybe had parasites in it, or you ate some bad food, you know, if you didn't have those guys in there, you would be much sicker than you, you otherwise are. So, so they really uh, are pretty critical. I mean, you, you literally cannot live without them. And so Go ahead, baby. Sorry. What are some things that we do? I know antibiotics are bad, but what are some other things that we do on a daily basis that drop our um, microbiome count? Okay, great question. Uh, well, this circles back to the fiber conversation. So not eating enough fiber, because by not eating fiber, you're essentially starving those those microorganisms so so they need fiber to survive and and so henceforth that also means carbohydrates so people who are very restrictive on their carbohydrate intake tend to not have good microbiome populations because they simply are starving them away mm. um you touched on the antibiotics that's a huge part of it they're not selective um antibiotics are going to kill the beneficial stuff and the thing that they're trying to target so you have to be careful with that. Um, a lot of other medications can do it as well. You know, anything that causes a lot of, um, I'm trying to say it without being gross, but things that cause you to lose a lot of things out of your intestines. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Driving out here. Um, you know, so, so anytime you have, you know, like Crohn's disease or maybe irritable bowel syndrome where you, you go to the bathroom a lot, you, you know, you're depleting those. So people who take a lot of laxatives, you know, that kind of stuff, they tend to have issues as well. Ooh, wow. This is, about. yeah, this is powerful. And, and it starts to make total sense of like why this is now a hot topic because so many things that we're doing now as modern man is obviously destroying our gut bacteria and I think also, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Gene, but I know back, you know, in the day, people preserved food through fermentation, mm -hmm. um, through, through methods like that, where you had naturally occurring bacteria, these, these gut bacteria. And so they were constantly replenishing. 
Well, right. well, so nowadays, not only are we destroying our gut bacteria because of the way we live our lives and the medications that we take and the way, but, but also we're not replenishing them because we've changed the way we eat. I mean, we, yep. nobody eats fermented food anymore. It's like this kombucha that we drink kombucha, like and by the gallon, man. So and, and we get people over the house all the time. The first thing we do is offer them a, a glass of kombucha and they're like, ugh. I'm, I'm not, yeah, it's fer, it's fermented or, or something like kimchi or, you know, stuff like, and it's like, no man, this stuff is, this stuff is good for you. Like, yeah, you may have to acquire a taste for it, but this is the way humans ate for thousands of years. Don't shy away from it. Sorry. And how about on a rant? That's a great point, though, because, you know, that is kind of a lost art. You know, for some of us, like Brooke and I, we, we like to do fermenting. I have like four ferments going right now in my cabinet, but yeah. but it's not a common practice anymore. We don't have to because we don't have to preserve food, right? For the most part, we just put it in the fridge or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, that's the other part of it. So so the fiber, the prebiotics, as they're called, is what feeds them. But you you also want to actually go ahead and colonize your gut with these organisms and you know, people think they're doing well by eating yogurt, for example, but yogurt is actually a pretty poor source of probiotics because of storage issues and the, the sugar content can, can deplete them as well. So yeah, I mean, fermenting is really the, the best, I wouldn't say the best thing you can eat, but it should be up there in your priorities in terms of the foods that you're trying to include in your diet is, I mean, even if you just eat more pickles or you know, like you said, kimchi, sauerkraut, drink some kombucha every day, things like that. I mean, it's a really simple thing that you can do to keep those populations healthy and keep them at adequate levels. Yeah. And it's so easy. And I was going to say, remember when uh, your nanny was over here the other day and she went and got, Jean's a big gardener too. So she'll, she'll laugh at this. She went and got, what were we eating out of the garden? Tomatoes. Tomatoes. She was cutting up and uh, she went to go scrub all of them. And Chad was like, Nanny, we don't wash those because we don't use any pesticides. And me and Chad both are of the thought, like, if there's some good stuff in there from the dirt, we want to ingest it. Sure. If they're covered in dirt, we'll, like, brush them off. But And Nanny was, like, she just could could not fathom that we weren't going to wash the tomatoes. She's like, what? It's, you know, and Jean, I realized this. When, so I run these, I run these wilderness courses once a month called the basic course. So once a month I'm going and spending three days in the wilderness and you realize primitive man, uh, not even primitive man, uh, man 200 years ago or a hundred years ago, when I'm out on these backpacking trips, do you realize the amount of dirt that you ingest not only through sediment and water that you're getting from springs, but just the fact that you're eating outside on the ground, you're like ingesting, not purposefully, but like stuff, dirt's on everything. It's on, gets on your hands. It gets on your utensils. It gets on your, and I'm like, man, there's gotta be something to this. And, and I almost think it's a good thing to, to have a little bit of, a little bit of the earth going into your body. I'm not saying intentionally go out and eat a spoonful of dirt, but I'm just wondering <laughs> if, if that's one more thing that, that, that we're missing. Uh, and you realize for thousands of years, these people, had to have been eating the same way that we're eating out on the basic course, maybe different foods, but in in the same manner and Mm -hmm. the the amount of stuff they're ingesting. I don't know if that makes any sense or there's any science behind that, but it makes makes me feel happy. No, it absolutely 
makes sense. And there is actually science behind it. There, there is something called the hygiene hypothesis, which it kind of goes right along with what you're saying that we need to expose ourselves to certain organisms in order to, this is part of how we develop our immune systems. You know, so people are nowadays, they're obsessed with cleanliness. You know, they're always wiping everything down with Lysol and they're, they're making their kids wash their hands. And, and especially now, you know, with this pandemic that, you know, everybody has become obsessed with sanitizing and sterilizing and, and this and that. And, and so hygiene hypothesis says that, that if you create an overly sterile environment, so if you're excessively cleaning and sterilizing and putting, you know, cleaning everything with soap, you're actually doing yourself a disservice because you're not allowing your immune system to be exposed. That's how it works. You can't not stimulate an immune system and expect it to know what to do. You have to expose it to different environmental, you know, organisms for it to be able to know how to react to them because you you have an immune response the first time you're you have something introduced into the body that's that's called your innate immunity okay and then you have humoral immunity which occurs at the second and the third and the fourth exposure and at those exposures it's like oh i got this i already know what to do with these guys so it like trains your immune system in other words it knows exactly how to handle it so so yeah i mean you're absolutely right, Chad. You, you need to allow yourself, you know, a little bit of dirt. Like you said, not, not intentionally, not grabbing a fistful and shoving it in your mouth. That's not what we're talking (laughs) about, but you don't need to scrub your vegetables with dish soap. You don't, you don't need to do that. You, You need to, there's, there's, there's bacteria and things in that dirt that, you know, by getting it into your body, again, you're, you're creating that exposure. You're showing the immune system, Hey, this is what this is. And then after that, it's like, no problem. I got you. So, you know, as long as the people who thinks you should let kids get dirty and, you know, their thing, because this is how they, this is part of how they program their immune system. And that carries through until, you know, through their whole lives. So it's just, it's just like a muscle, essentially. uh, If you put it in country boy logic terms, it's just like a muscle, the immune system. And, you know, this makes total sense to me because when I was in the Navy and I would go on deployment, especially to third world countries, I remember every time I went to a different country, I would get sick as a freaking dog within mm-hmm. the first two weeks With i mean diarrhea yeah and- i just i knew it was coming like it, it i just i would be the flight over i i knew it was coming and even if i was moving to different con- countries on the same continent say africa if i was going from country to country you know traveling thousands of miles i would always get sick within the first two weeks but after that it, it would last for three four days something like that after that shoot i, I was good to go man I, I could be yep. there for I could I could eat whatever whatever the natives were eating I could eat it but it took that initial immune response and exercising that muscle and then after that I was good to go so man that really resonates with me yeah yeah that's that's a perfect example of how that works you know you you introduce some brand new pathogens some brand new you know, uh, bacteria into your internal environment and your immune system had no clue what to do with it. So its first instinct is fight, reject. Diarrhea. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Get out, get it out, get it out. But, but Ruth, that, that repeated exposure that you had over those next few weeks, it it knew how to handle it. So that's a really great example of how that works. Well, let's talk about, so people are probably like, I don't want to, you know, a lot of people don't like kimchi, sauerkraut. Fermented stuff does have like this twang to it. Most all it of does. it does. <laughs> so Gene actually was the one that turned me on to um, probiotics. 
And I take a mood probiotic. It also has ashwagandha, but that's not what mm-hmm. we're talking about. Um, but is there, when people are choosing, first of all, you can take probiotics every day, right? I mean, that's a good thing to do, isn't it? Generally speaking, um, probiotics are very tricky because, you know, depending on, you know, if you have certain health conditions, you need certain strains of probiotics. So there are actually, I mean, the science has evolved at this point to where the scientists are actually able to identify you know, people with certain health conditions are lacking these very specific strains of probiotics, or they have excessive amounts of other probiotics. So, so there's, a, there's an imbalance. So, so those people aside, okay, I'll put that as a disclaimer, because I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about our average you, me, Chad, average person. You know, if you don't really have a lot of health issues, your, your best bet with a probiotic is a very low number probiotics. So, so when you go to the store and you see them in billions, okay, so the lower the number, the better it is for the average person. So you, the, you know, you don't need to buy these 50, 60, 70 billion CFUs. That's, that could actually cause you a detriment because if you're already in a balance, you're going to throw it all off. And that's so what, probably what most Americans go for right off I, the bat. I Cause have, we always think more is better. Yeah, exactly. We get overzealous. We're like, Oh, well, if a little bit's good, uh, a lot must be better than that actually can cause you to develop something called dysbiosis and you don't want that. So, so, you know, I would say when you're starting off, most people, I usually suggest they start every other day, somewhere around maybe 10 or 15 billion CFUs, you know, see how you do again, just like eating new foods, you may have some digestive responses to this because you're colonizing the be producing more waste of their own. So you may actually notice that you have a little bit of bloating or a little discomfort or something like that. So it's very individualized. You really have to kind of feel it out. If you don't feel well taking probiotics, stop taking them because that means that there's something else going on that probiotics are not going to help or, or might even exacerbate with you. So, so yeah, the lower, the better for the most part. Um, if you really can't stomach the fermented foods, but I really prefer that people at least try the fermented foods, try drinking a, just a little kombucha, get over that initial kind of vinegar taste, right? And then you, you kind of develop a taste for it. Yeah. You know, if you told me 10 years ago, I would eat pickles and I would eat them. I would have told you you were crazy. I hated that stuff. So you have to, it's, you know, it's, it's repeated exposure to foods and then your body's kind of like, oh yeah, okay. I like this now, but if you really can't do it, then yeah, you can do a, um, a low probiotic and you want it to have lots of different strains. So when you look at that list, it should have multiple, you know, you want it to be well balanced. Awesome. Yeah. We're trying to get Blake on some probiotics right now. We're working on him. Yeah. I, but I mean, <laughs> from, from what I'm hearing from Eugene is that if you can have a little discipline and acquire a taste for these fermented foods or drinks, that alleviates the need to supplement with probiotics. And, and I mean, I like fermented foods, so I don't have an issue with it. Uh, I mean, I love kombucha and, and all that stuff. I mean, but uh, that to me, that's the way to go. I don't like to supplement. I don't like to have to buy vitamins and remember to take a capsule. And that is, I don't, that's not for me. So, you know, yeah. my route is more eating eating the foods. And it's good to hear that as long as we are diligent about eating those foods on a day-to-day basis, that we don't have to supplement. Right. I love that. Right. I, I didn't know that. And people can't give me the excuse, well, I can't 
you know, do fermented food because it's expensive. Kimchi's expensive. Look, y'all, it's like, I think it's a, it's like a tablespoon of water per four cups or something. And you make your own brine, shove some cabbage in there, make sure it's submerged, burp your cup every four days and let out the air pressure. And you've just made for what water, salt and cabbage. How much is that? Like two bucks? Yeah. Yeah. You know what else is expensive? Doctor's bills and prescriptions. Yeah. Those are also Amen. really expensive. Yeah. Amen, bro. That's so true. You know, that's, and that's how I really try to, to explain that to people to get them to look at it like that, that, you know, prevention, what's the, what's the, uh, the old adage prevention, an ounce of prevention, a pound of prevention is worth an ounce of cure something like that. What's the, I don't know what the expression is, but I don't know either. anyway, um, you know, it's worth investing in preventing problems rather than investing in taking care of them later. You know, the doctor's visits, the prescriptions, the hospital stays that you're inevitably going to encounter. I mean, so, so you, you wouldn't rather spend $2 on, on some cabbage than $75 on insulin. You know, uh, I'm very big on the proactive versus reactive thing, you know, because if you are proactive, there is, you know, it's not a, it's not magic, you know, sometimes people still get sick, you know, it's not reasonable to expect otherwise, but you're much less likely to become sick by preventable diseases. If you have your diet, right. I mean, and this is another reason why I love nutrition because it's almost so basic in a way that, you know, what you eat can dictate so many things for you in the short term and the long term, you know, and, and you got to get past the hedonistic thing of, well, this tastes good though. So this is what I want to eat. Okay. Well, you also need to learn how to like kale and broccoli and sauerkraut. And, you know, I I mean, I had to do it. That's, you know, I was interested in nutrition before I was interested in eating healthy. That makes sense. So I really had to kind of make myself try these things and get a taste for them. And now I love them. You know, it just takes diligence. Like Chad said, you just have to train yourself like with anything else. Yeah. Well, I think you have to retrain yourself because I know Brooke's about to talk about sugar. Um, I think you have to retrain yourself. I think it would be interesting if we were able to hand a Native American a Big Mac hamburger and see what he thought of how it tasted. Um, I think that we've trained ourselves. Yeah, we've trained ourselves Mm -hmm. from children to or we've been trained by our parents to crave and like these nasty foods uh when in all reality i think that a natural man in his natural state probably wouldn't be craving those things because they're actually killing us mm-hmm. um so yeah talk about it sugar a against, little bit right whether you believe in evolution or not it's kind of irrelevant but it, it goes against what we are genetically programmed for you know it's just we we choose instant gratification over long-term gratification. And that's kind of where we've, where we've gone awry, you know, we, um, and and not to mention that, you know, advertising doesn't help, you know, you don't see advertisements on TV for, for big juicy apples and, you know, (laughs) dancing heads of broccoli. No, you see, you know, these pop culture people selling junk food and selling you Big Macs and selling you, you know, foods that inevitably are, are going to serve you no purpose, yep. you know, so it's unfortunate, oh. but, and, and most people don't have the wherewithal to, to separate from that and be like, no, you know, I, I'm not buying into that. And, and, you know, they just, they're like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to go get a Big Mac, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, so, no, 
Totally. And yeah, the- I think one of the best things that's came, one of the best things I've seen that's came out of this whole uh, virus thing is people, like Brooke said the other day, you can't find mason jars because everybody in 2020 is now, everybody's a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that that to me is the only way that healthy eating is is going to be sustainable in today's world because here's the here's the reality of the world that we live in there are so many people i don't think that we could produce enough quality organic fruits and vegetables to feed the world nope. <laughs> i mean i don't think it would be possible uh, yeah. and, and, and that's a, that's a shame. So it's, it's great yeah. to see how many people are picking up with their, their little backyard garden. It's amazing what you can produce out yes. of, out of a couple of raised garden beds, man. It's Genius. amazing. Yeah. Definitely. And I know a lot of people who have started doing that this year too. So, I mean, it's unfortunate that this is what it took for people to get interested in their health and, and, you know, growing their own food. But Hey, I mean, it's a means to a, a good end. So I guess it's, it's a good thing, but, but yeah, you're right. I can't buy Mason jars anywhere. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. So, but I should be glad that others are taking the same interest. So, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> we'll share the love a little bit, I guess. We should have hoarded Mason jars a year ago. And so <laughs> what were we thinking? If only we had known, right? <laughs> oh, well. well, yeah, I, Jean, I want to talk about sugar. I want to talk about what sugar does in our body kind of why we crave it and I want to talk about how detrimental sugar is to us and and how okay so so sugar I mean put the most simply is the product of the breakdown of carbohydrates so glucose is what our entire bodies run on right so we need glucose for our brains to function we need it to make ATP which is our primary energy source um, so the innate need for carbohydrate comes from just our need to have a quick energy source. So Chad is an endurance athlete. I'm sure you're no stranger to this, to the, the benefit or the use of carbohydrate when you need, when you need it now, <laughs> because mm-hmm. carbohydrates are our, our first, first energy source. So there's no real reserves of carbohydrates. We don't store them that long. They're intended to be used immediately. So the way that, uh, it has evolved was that again, with the way food is processed now, the way food is manufactured now, we've gone from just needing carbohydrates to having those carbohydrates come from processed sugars, for example, refined sugars, added sugars. And that has, that is how we have sort of changed our taste for carbohydrate as we go straight from the, you know, instead of going for a potato, or an apple or something like that, it's, it's sugar. So, and the problem with sugar is that cravings for sugar beget more cravings for sugar. So the more sugar you eat, the more sugar you want. It's almost, I don't want to use the word addictive, but it's, it creates the same type of mental process and it creates the same type of almost dependency because I don't know, I guess everyone here has had a sugar craving. And when you, when you want something sweet, you want something sweet and nothing else is going to do. You know, you know, I kind of laugh at that thing where they, where they, they tell dietitians, you know, they say, well, you know, tell your patients to eat an apple if they're, if they're craving something that's, that's just not going to cut it. We know perfectly well, that's not going to cut it. So again, that's a training thing. That's the mental retraining, but so sugar can definitely have that ability to just create this vicious cycle of, 
craving and fulfillment and craving and fulfillment. Um, so yeah, so I've experienced and it's made from a, it's made carbs as a whole look bad. <laughs> you know, they get all lumped into the same category. But but the truth is, carbohydrates are not all created equal. And you know what a carbohydrate goes through to become glucose is what really matters in this process. So eating a potato is obviously not the same thing as eating a cookie. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the benefit of eating a cookie is non-existent because there's no nutritional quality to it aside from that quick carbohydrate that's that's burned up within minutes. Um, so, so that's part of why sugar has become a problem for us is because number one, it's it's snuck into everything. You know, if you read an, a label for a salad dressing or I mean ketchup, like things that don't even seem sweet mm-hmm. to you, there's sugar in it. You know, it's a filler. You know, it's a, it adds flavor. So we like things that give us flavor. So sugar is kind of put in for that. And, and again, it creates that dependency of, of craving and fulfillment. So if you're putting sugar into your food, people are going to come back and buy it more because it tastes good. They like it, you know, and, uh, Panda Express. Right. (laughs) Right. So it's, it's unfortunate though, um, because sugar really can cause a lot of of issues. I mean, number one is obesity. I mean, just because sugar and carbohydrates alone are such a a source of calories, it's easy to eat a lot of carbohydrates because they're not filling, right? So you could easily plow through a bag of chips and in 10 minutes be hungry again because there's no, there's no sustenance in that, right? So you tend to eat a lot more calories when you're ingesting sugar because number one, the sugar is hidden. You don't even realize you're eating the calories. And number two, it tastes so good that you're just kind of, you know, you're piling it in there and you're not even thinking about how many calories you're actually ingesting. So, so definitely weight gain is going to be number one. Um, There is a lot of evidence that these processed sugars can contribute to inflammation and I won't get off on my inflammation tangent, but essentially inflammation is the basis for basically all chronic diseases. So the more inflammation you have, on a, on a long-term scale, the more prone you are to developing any number of things, cardiovascular disease, diabetes. I mean, you pretty much name autoimmune disease, you name it, you're pretty much at risk for it. Um, And sugar feeds the inflammation that can lead to those things. Well, particularly if you're already working on that process, you know, if you're a fairly healthy person, you know, let's say, yeah, maybe you eat a lot of sugar, but you also eat a lot of vegetables, you know, there, there are balances and counterbalances. So, you know, having said that, uh, you know, eating large amounts of sugar can definitely contribute to that inflammation. Yes. Mm. Oh, I've experienced that too. Uh, I used to eat ice cream every night. And I literally got to the point. You talked about addiction. I would not hesitate to use the word addiction no. when it beco- when it comes to I sugar. Agree. Look, man, I I got to the point where I was eating ice cream every dang night. A and pint. I, I couldn't I couldn't daggone go to bed without having my dang ice cream, man. Like I was hooked on that. I was hooked <laughs> yep. on that stuff. And if you can't if you can't look, man, this ain't this ain't to put anybody down, but people are eating themselves to death these days. It is unbelievable to see the... Go to to Walmart. People are eating themselves to death. Now, that is... That is addiction. It's it, it is literally no different than somebody who is addicted to heroin and is killing themselves 
by other than heroin's illegal. Uh, but but the food, right. it, it's it's a it's a there it's a slower death, but it's an addiction that is killing them. It's unbelievable, and it's crazy to me that we look we're we're, ta- we're getting all this invi- advice and input from our government right now during this whole virus thing. And look at the people that were that are putting out advice. These government officials that are are freaking three hundred pounds. It's like. I, I, so I'm supposed to take it, uh, health advice from these people that are killing themselves because they they're eating McDonald's every day. Yeah, like give me a freaking right. break, and man. Nobody's talking about diet or probiotics yeah. or zinc what, or magnesium. No, wouldn't it no. be nice to hear one conversation coming from uh, the the CDC or whoever's in control of putting this information out about how we can be a healthier society and survive this this dang. A uh, virus thing by uh, essentially taking better care of our bodies. Not that anybody yeah. would listen, anyways, because what it requires concept, discipline. Though. Jeez, I know. I, I'm totally with you guys, and and you know, you're right. Nobody has mentioned this, and in fact, if you go on the CDC website, they they make some kind of a statement like, um, you know, here's how you can, um, you know, prevent your or reduce your risk of contracting coronavirus. You know, and they have this like, you know, hand washing work. Blah, blah, blah. And then they, then they, there's a little blurb. It says something like, um, there's no food that can prevent you from getting sick or something like that. I, I don't know exactly how it's worded, but which is true. Okay. Because again, there's no miracles here. Food isn't magic, but, but, you know, I think people get this idea that, that now is the time to start eating healthy. Like after the pandemic started, like, no, you know, it, that's not how it works. You can't eat junk and, and, and abuse your body your whole life. And then all of a sudden, start trying to boost your immune system by, by changing your diet. That's not how it works. It's a long-term process. So, I mean, yes, you have to start somewhere, but, but again, it's all about being proactive and, and making your body strong and fortifying your immune system to where when something like this hits, your immune system will just be like, Psh, this is nothing, you know, I've got this, <laughs> you know? Yep. So um, it is really unfortunate how undermined nutrition is as a preventative measure that all of us have to eat. Okay. There is nobody alive on this planet of 7 billion people who does not have to eat to survive. So why would you not to the best of your ability, of course, use that opportunity. It's, it's the number one thing that you have control over is what you put into your body. You know, you can't control the air you're breathing. You can't necessarily control if you have to take medications, but you can control what you eat. So why would you not use that as an opportunity to build that, to fortify that fortress, that temple that is your body and whatever you give to it, it will be given back to you. So, so why not give it the best quality possible so that it will do its best work for you? That's how it, to me, it's very logical, but I'm a dietitian. This is what I do. It's not like that for most people. Most people, um, I shouldn't say most people, but a lot of people just, there's so much disconnect between what they eat and how they feel and what their health state is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let me, let me put oh, the whole, not let me talk. Sorry. You're next. Let me put the whole to the bet <laughs> that you said to the best of your ability. Let me put the whole thing to rest that, Oh, I, I can't afford to buy good groceries. Go listen to the podcast that we did with Greg Armstrong. Greg Armstrong is the guy that I raced against at the mid state mile this guy lives off of the wages, the SNAPS wages. So it's like $4.25 a day is what he allows himself 
to live off of. He, wa- wow. he, he did it as an experiment. Like, Greg obviously has the capability to spend more than that on groceries, but he wanted to see if he could actually eat healthy and be a world-class ultra-marathon athlete on $4.25 a day. And guess what? That joker liked to ran me into the ground out at Mid-State <laughs> Mile, and I only beat him by the grace of God. And he's living off of $4.25 a day yep. drinking out of a, a corn syrup bottle with some peanut butter mixed into it, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. But let's, let's break that. That's excellent, though. Yeah. That's a great experiment. I'm really glad to hear that someone actually did this because I get that excuse a lot, you know, and and – I, I actually have done a few posts on Facebook before to show people, you know, how this really isn't the case. I mean, the the primary example I used to use is meat versus beans, you know, pound for pound. If you actually do a price comparison, you can go get a pound of beans for like 89 cents of the dried beans, right? Pound of meat costs you what? If it's even decent quality, maybe five, six dollars a pound. At least. Is that about right? Decent quality, I would say. Yeah. So you could eat the same, you could eat five times the amount of beans for the same price. You could eat that one pound of meat, which would last you one meal, maybe two meals, you know? So I definitely don't buy that. And I, I really do encourage, you know, I try to show people these examples so they can see how really they can do it on a budget. It's, it's absolutely possible. So that's awesome that you, that your friend did that. I think that's a great experiment, great um, social lesson for people. And what about frozen veggies and fruit? Is there, I know, I know there's like, you know, as fruit comes off the vine or out of the ground food, it starts to age, it loses nutrition. Um, So Mm -hmm. is there an optimal, obviously farmer's market or your own garden, but at the grocery store when we're picking our produce, I mean. Well, it's hard to know because, you know, obviously the further away your food has to travel from, it's going to have somewhat less of a nutritional value. So things that come from California in our case, for example, or uh, Mexico or South America, you know, they're with every day that they're on that truck or that plane or that ship or whatever, they're losing nutritional value. But to, to answer your question about frozen, I mean, I think that that fits really well in with our budget discussion because frozen fruit and vegetables can be a really great way to do this cheaply because fresh produce can be expensive. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that it isn't because it can be, but um, so frozen is a great way. I mean, generally it's equally nutritious to its fresh counterparts. So frozen broccoli and fresh broccoli are going to be about the same in that regard. Okay. Um, Another thing you can do is um, you mentioned farmer's markets, but buying things that are in season, so even if you buy them from the grocery store, they're going to be cheaper when they're in season. So so eating according to the seasons is a really um, smart strategy to try to save money. You know, oh, so yeah. when when it's winter time, buy citrus fruits, buy greens, buy lettuce. You know, uh, cold crops like cabbage and broccoli are typically going to be pretty cheap. And then in the summertime, you want to buy the strawberries and the melons and you know things like that. So so eating according to the season is more likely to a not have traveled as far and therefore it's cheaper for you and b it's going to be fresher and have a little bit better nutritional value because and if you think about it you're paying for all that transport right so that's why avocados are so expensive because you got to pay you know if maybe it has to come from mexico so you got to pay for that situation then you got to pay that truck driver that brings it all the way across the country you got to pay for his gas you got to pay his wages you know so you're it, it doesn't it's a cost, hidden costs, I guess you could say things that you don't think about that aren't as apparent, 
Um, so yeah, the closer to home you can buy for sure, um, is going to be the way to go. And even better if you can grow yourself. Yeah. Well, and what I was going to say earlier when you started talking, um, when I got on a rant, you get on a rant every time she starts talking. I look over to see if yeah. I can talk, and like you got your finger going or something, and I can tell you're oh, like, yeah. you're He's working. I, just, I had another rant in the pipe, but no, I'm going to let no. Brett go. I was going to say. Yeah, you better let her have this one. Oh, my gosh, Jean. This is my life. Um, so I was going to say with the sugar thing, um, I think if people would actually acknowledge and admit, here I go like being a drug addict, trying to evolve that into it, but if they would actually come to terms with the fact that they are addicted and begin to take it seriously like that, um, an addiction, you want to test your addiction. You're, you're borderline diabetic, right? Your doctor just told you you're borderline diabetic and mm -hmm. you cannot stop buying sugary foods that you know are going to eventually kill you. You just can't there that you're addicted. You have a problem. This is just mm -hmm. my opinion, people. But I have an addictive personality, and I'm about to give you some advice because I struggle with food. Me and Chad do not. <laughs> what is that? Lace? Sorry, that's my husband thinking he's cute. I'm sorry. You're Disregard fine. That. You're fine. We could edit it. Um, he just let the dog, the dog wanted to come in and hang out, so she's oh, hanging out with us now. You're good. <laughs> so we don't. We don't let sugary foods or really processed foods, we don't have them in the house because if we have them in the house, we're going to eat them. Yeah. And sometimes you have it's to just have boundaries. Right. And you have to set those for yourself and you have to stick to them. I mean, it's, it is very difficult for a lot of people and it, and it, it's funny because being a dietitian is almost 50% dietetics and 50% psychology, because when you're counseling people, you really have to be able to, you know, help them kind of get, get through those layers of excuses and those layers of, of, I can't help it, or I, I have no willpower, I have no self-control, you know, and then all the self-sabotaging behaviors that they have. So there's so much psychology involved in nutrition because you really have to help people break that apart and you have to you know, block their excuses, you know, just catch them and then throw them out and then, and then turn them around into something more useful. And so, so that part of it is really a challenge for some people who, you know, some people can say, okay, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm ready. Let's do this. And they do it, you know? Um, but then even those people beat themselves up. They're like, oh, I went and I ate some ice cream. Like I'm so bad. And, you know, so you, you have to sort of work through all of this with them, but but I think it is true. I mean, I, I certainly agree that food can be an addiction and that's very evident by, you know, people who like Chad was mentioning earlier, who are, are just killing themselves because they can't seem to stop eating these foods and, and having this unhealthy relationship with food. I mean, that is kind of what it is. It's a relationship, you know, you have to, you have to see it in a different light instead of just eating to live you know living to eat versus eating to live kind mm -hmm. of thing yeah. well and sometimes that means you don't get to eat things that are as tasty and that's just that means you need to learn how to cook better and learn how to season healthy foods to make them taste good that's yes. the key right there that's it and hey we're we're at it we're at an hour here so what i want to do oh. no i want to do a part two on this you want to you want to keep going can we keep going for just a minute more since we're on a roll yeah, yeah, go if you got if you got another question, but but I do want to do a part two on this because this is solid conversation, man. I'm loving yeah. this. Okay, I love you. What you yeah. got, baby? Now I feel rushed. Oh, 
Now I feel rushed. No, Jean, I want to talk about just not real quick because we don't have to rush. Are you in a rush, Jean? I'm not. I'm good. Go for it, buddy. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, superfoods, like um, some some superfoods that we can start incorporating into our smoothies or our diets and things that just are packing a nutritious punch. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I, I think all the fruits and vegetables have their merits, but there are, there are certain ones that are a little extra and they kind of go beyond the, the standard benefits. Um, one of those I would say would be your leafy green. Okay. So like kale, spinach, those kind of things. That's something I like to put into a smoothie, you know, put a handful of spinach in there. You can't really taste it. So that's a really easy way to, you know, get a vegetable in, get a serving of leafy greens. And um, another one would greens? be your, I'm sorry. What's that? What, what are, what's the big benefit with leafy greens? Like what are they doing for us? Um, I mean, it's a multiple, it's kind of a multifactorial thing, but you definitely get the folate, which is important. Folate is, I'm trying to think how to put it in layman's terms. Folate is basically like an accessory vitamin. Okay. So folate helps other things do their job. All right. And so full and folate, if you're trying to get pregnant, it's going to prevent birth defects. It helps you with those healthy nerve endings. Okay. So it keeps the communication systems going. Um, and then obviously the fiber, it's got vitamin K, it's got potassium. It's just got a lot of different vitamins that are, um, are going to be beneficial for a variety of things. Um, so yeah, so leafy greens, uh, blueberries are a big one. They have pretty much more antioxidants than any, any other fruit or vegetable. Sorry, that's Juno's input there behind me. Um, yeah, so blueberries definitely, and they are particularly beneficial over the other berries. So you, you could do strawberries, you can do blackberries. I mean, they're, they're good too, but blueberries, have a really kind of special place because they help protect your brain against degeneration and actually leafy greens do this as well. So if you look into, there's a diet called the mind diet, M-I-N-D, and they specifically studied these food compounds that, that had long-term neurological benefits for, for actual brain health. So, so blueberries can help protect you against the proteins that mutate and give you Alzheimer's disease, for example with memory retention, cognitive function, you know, just memory tasks, very basic things that we need on a day-to-day basis. So blueberries definitely up there. Um, Omega-3s, anything that's got omega-3s in it. So like your flax seeds, your chia seeds, if you eat fish, then that would be also be your salmon and your tuna. Mackerel um, would be those guys. Those are really important because again, this is brain health. This is skin health. Those fatty acids I was talking about earlier that your gut bacteria make for you. So that kind of circles around through this too. So this is why you need fatty acids because they protect all of your nerves. So wrapped around your nerves are like these kind of these fat layers. And that's what those are made of. Your cell membranes are made of fatty acids. So you need them literally as cellular protection. Okay. And to protect that layer around your brain and pull cholesterol from the body. So the more of the omega-3s you have circulating in your body, the less opportunity there is for the, the unhealthy fats to accumulate. So, so definitely those, um, let's see what else. If I, I could love think off the top of my head. The, this information and 
I can almost get like a visual on what, like I've always heard, make sure you're getting your fatty acids and your omegas and all this, but I've never known why um, until this mm-hmm. conversation. And it just, I don't know. It's cool. Heck yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I, lo- I love it, man. I mean, so, and that's the thing. Three of seven podcast is all about body, soul, and spirit. And this is one of the best conversations that we've had uh, about specifically about the body, which is, you know, there's only three body, soul, and spirit. So we need to pay equal attention to all three of those things. And that's why this conversation is so important. I mean, you want to, you want to up, you, you want to up your game in your spiritual life. You want to up your game in your emotional life. You want to, you want to make an impact in those other two elements of you pay attention to your body. You, you look, you want to, you want a real connection with your creator and a, and a, a elevated uh, prayer life and awareness. Take care of your body. I, I mean, that's a. I for me, that's a big. That's a big part of my relationship with God. That's a big part of me being able to control my emotions. Is because my body feels good, strong, and healthy, and it has the things that it needs uh, in order to perform at the optimum level. And that's why Absolute. this is such an important conversation, man. Is is this ties back into every aspect of of what we talk about, and you know, it's just amazing. Agreed. Well, we, yeah, we can end part one if you want. Babe. Yeah, I, I a bunch of stuff. I, I definitely down. want to do part uh, a part two on this, Gene. And at at some point, and I know it's not for this conversation, but out of my own selfishness, so a lot of our listeners are vegan or vegetarian. And I want to go down that rabbit hole with you because that's obviously not the diet that I subscribe to, but I want to hear from you how that has changed your life and why you decided to make that decision. And I know we could do a whole podcast just on those aspects, and I think it would be a fun conversation to have because we have rapport, we have relationships with each other already pre-existing, so we can have that honest conversation and not feel like we're offending each other. So I yeah. think it'll be a really cool <laughs> podcast to have, man. But I think yeah. the the stuff that we've talked about today is a really good, solid, foundational starting point for our listeners uh, to up their game when it comes to that body portion of, of, of the three, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's solid. Let's leave them with this. Let them work on this. And I want to know too, Gene, I want you to put out where people can – find you, follow you, connect with you, well, uh, and hear more from you. She didn't get to finish about the superfoods. We cut her off. Oh, okay. Oh, if we're not, that's gonna- okay. I mean, we, uh, we could always incorporate that into part two as well. I mean, I could talk about some elements of the vegan diet that, that would be contributors to that as well. Um, but I'll try to give you a couple more. Um, the other one I was thinking of actually was avocados. <laughs> Oh, that, good. that came to mind um, pretty much right away because they they're kind of unique because, you know, they're a fruit technically, but we don't really treat them as such. It's more, you know, you think of an avocado as a fat, which it is. Um, but avocados are really kind of these powerhouses because they are a purely healthy fat source. They're full of vitamin K. They're full of potassium. They have all these nutrients that are nourishing for the skin and the hair and the digestive system. I mean, as a fat, it's unique because it has fiber. So, you know, most foods are one or the other. You're a fat or you're a fiber, but avocados have the unique benefit of being both. 
So they're really a pretty nutritionally replete food. I mean, if you were in a position where you couldn't eat anything but avocados for a while, you'd probably be all right, you know, because they're just so, they're just so nutritious. So, so avocados are something I make an effort to eat every single day um, in general. So, and then the, the fifth category I would say would be your cruciferous vegetables. So your broccoli, your cauliflower, your cabbage, any of those um, what they call brassicas, you know, they all have that same kind of smell when they cook. That's kind of how you know that they're in that group, Brussels sprouts, anything that puts off that sort of sulfurous smell in the body. Um, and those number one, they have very strong anti-cancer properties. So the, the compounds in them called indoles, sephorophanes, I could, you know, really get into the antioxidants of it, but those ones are particularly protective of your cells against those mutations that cause cancer growth. Because, you know, cancer is just a normal cell that a gene mutation occurred and it became a cancerous cell. So those compounds that are in the cruciferous vegetables actually prevent that process from occurring. And then the second thing that that those cruciferous veggies do is they provide a source of sulfur, which is what you smell when you cook them. They have sort of that funk. Okay, so that's actually a sulfur compound. And, and sulfur is needed to make something called glutathione and glutathione is an enzyme that when your liver is detoxifying, which is what the liver does. Okay. That's its main function in, in its existence is to detoxify the body. So it neutralizes toxins. It processes them. It turns them into things that are not harmful for us and gets them out where they need to go. So it, those sulfur compounds help the liver to do that, that, that detoxification process. And obviously you need to detoxify on a daily basis. And if so, if your liver isn't working, that's why you start to develop these, um, you know, all of these secondary issues. So, so yeah, so those would be my top five. I would say the greens, the blueberries, the omega-3s, the avocados, and the cruciferous vegetables. Now, those are my top five. And I want to ask you on those, on those cruciferous vegetables, I've never said that before, uh, but, um, <laughs> um, it's a fun word. <laughs> Now, now you talked about, uh, you talked about cooking those and, and I know I have heard that if you cook certain vegetables, it obviously, uh, I guess degrades the value that they're providing to you. So, I mean, is there a significant difference between if you're eating that, uh, say that broccoli or that cauliflower or something raw dipped in hummus, um, versus if you cook it and if you do cook it, what's the best way to cook it to maintain the, uh, the most nutritional value? Okay, great question. Um, so as long as you just steam it, you know, as long as you're not cooking your vegetables into mush, like some of our grandmas did or our school cafeterias, for example, did. Mm-hmm. So if you're lightly cooking them, if it's only a minute or two of cooking, you're typically going to preserve most of the nutritional value in it. And that's how I think they taste best anyway. So to me, it's a no brainer, but not everyone is like that. Um, There are certain things like, for example, broccoli is a good source of calcium. And when you cook broccoli, you do pretty quickly degrade the calcium. So they recommend you eat more raw broccoli as a means of preserving the calcium if you're using broccoli as the calcium source. Mm -hmm. Um, But otherwise, you're fine to just to steam them. You could even roast them a little bit. But of course, the longer you cook the vegetable, the more the enzymes and the nutrients are going to be degraded. So you just want to limit the cooking time. But, but then on the other hand, some people can't digest them that way. And that's the only way they can eat them is by cooking them. So you have to kind of 
find the balance and, you know, it's better. I'd rather you eat them cooked than not eat them, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, so if you can just lightly steam them for a couple of minutes, that would probably be the ideal other than eating them raw. That's really cool. And I like, so I like to think about my food as especially vegetables and stuff like we're talking about is these things are actually alive. They are alive. And, and for me, I, I feel like the closest you can eat them to their live form and they're most alive when they're first harvested, obviously, and they yeah. continue to die and degrade along the way. Um, I don't know. That's a whole nother interesting conversation that, that we can have on part two. I think it's absolutely, uh, hilarious how we have placed how we as humans place value on life how we place more value on the life of an animal and less value on the life of a plant but they are essentially both the same life force no Uh, they haven't found nerves in broccoli and it doesn't cry out in pain when it's something happens to it but i i have a deal I, I have a Why deeper I have a deeper connection with plants. I have a deep connection with plants. Like it it no kidding, it it pains me to cut a limb off of a tree. And I'm not a tree hugger, but I have a deep connection with plants and I really do view them as being alive. It's an interesting perspective and I know it's like very taboo and weird. Well, but it didn't get taboo till you tried to compare <laughs> no, killing a me, plant but, to killing but, an Dad, animal. I, I understand what you're saying. I think I think what you're saying is that you you know you mentioned the the word life force. You know, yes, plants have that, and and when I eat those foods, I feel like there's a direct transference of that. So I'm kind of on the same page with you in that regard. That that I feel like eating plants is eating life. You're eating energy. You're actually it's a direct transfer of of that plant's nutrients and energy into your own energy. You know, I mean, it's, it's thermodynamics really, if you want to, if you really want to get scientific about it, but, um, but I, so I know what you mean, you know, and I always have kind of had that idea that, that eating things directly from the earth is going to have a stronger transference of energy to your own, as opposed to, things that go through several processes and several steps mm-hmm. before yeah. they reach your body. So, and so we'll, yeah. And we'll dig, we'll dig into that later. Me and the, what brought that up is me and Scott Worthington had a converse, that conversation in depth. And it's very interesting when you explore the depths of that and how we, as emotional beings, uh, emotional beings, we've placed val- more value on certain life force than other life Agreed. In, in the world. It's just a really interesting conversation, and it's it's not something that that is it's not an attack on anyone. It's just literally uh, ever since Scott and I have had that conversation and the experiences that I've had out hunting with with trees, the weird stories that I've told with like feeling the life of the tree um, in a real way, like in a, a personality, like feeling the personality of a tree. It, I mean, it freaked me out. And I tell people this story and they think I'm, I, I am not a hippie. 
You guys know I am not a, a guilty hippie. drug. Like, so I know it's yeah, not that. I'm telling you this story because it's a real experience that I had. And yes, I was completely sober and lucid when it happened. But it's just a really fun topic to explore, I think. So I think, I, I don't know. That's the reason. That was just on my heart for some reason. I was thinking about that. Well, how the plants okay. are alive, you know? Let's plan on. I mean, telling the listeners right now that we're going to have a part two and we're going to... Oh, they're going to love it. Yeah, we're going to dig more in depth into some of the things we talked about today. I have written down that we want to kind of get into in a little more detail. And then we're going to go down that rabbit hole and why why Gene is vegan, why you eat meat. It'll be fun. Well, It'll yeah. be a blast, man. I love it. And dang, no, we, we, might, we might fly you out here for part two, Gene. That'd be a good one to have live, oh, wow. man. Yeah, that that'd be, be a good one to have live for real. That would be fun. We could have. We might have yeah. a whole panel on that one. That'd be fun. That so. would be fun. <laughs> well, and like you said to Gene, and we'll talk about this in part two because I wanted to get to it. Gene also um, does a lot with aromatherapy, and I think you that really gets into the life force of plants, Chad. If you really want to talk about plants, life forces, and energies, man, dude, yes. that's so I could cool. go on on that. Yeah. My gosh, man, we could be, we could have a four-hour-long conversation well, it, here. There's so much <laughs> that people can use as a resource that's out there to better their bodies and better their lives. And I feel like podcasts like this, the informational ones, are not quite as engrossing as the crazy stories we have on. But if people would just take small things from this and apply it, their life is going to improve. Oh, hundred you know? right. percent. Everything Absolutely. about their it's lives. Very yeah. 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 But Gene, tell us where, um, where we can find you on social media, on Facebook, Instagram. Sure. Uh, well, my Instagram is, uh, it's very simple. It's just at Maxwell nutrition. It's all one, one word together. That's also my Facebook. Um, I think my Facebook has Maxwell nutrition LLC on it, but, um, but if you, if you looked for the, the tag Maxwell nutrition, you would be able to find me that way. Um, I'm not on Twitter or anything like that. Um, and then I, I do have a website, but it's really, really long, but it's basically Maxwell nutrition Suffolk com and that's all smushed together um all one word so my, that's more for um if you're interested in being a client i have a list of my services and my pricing and some of the different things that i offer and it, and it does talk a little bit about my philosophy as well but um but i'm pretty active on both instagram and facebook i do a lot of posts on you know either emerging research that's coming out sometimes i like to just give my own little little uh, rants and raves and little tidbits. So I do lots of recipes, lots of uh, cooking kind of stuff. I'm a big foodie as well. So I love sharing things that I make. And, and then a lot of times I'll talk about the benefits of certain ingredients in my cooking, because I think that's useful for people to, to kind of get those connections on, you know, sometimes people need a little more motivation on why they should eat healthy. They sort of need these, these, um, these reasons on what benefits they get, you know, we're yes. a very reward centered, uh, <laughs> species so we tend to, to look for things that give us benefits so yeah so uh, so i do try to make it interesting teach people how cooking healthy can also taste good i think that's really important as well so lots of good little little things that you can pick up from that yeah well, and, get get ready for some messages gene because yeah, we we have a really loyal team a three of seven like all the people that listen to this podcast that follow us on on social media i mean thank you guys by the way 
Um, yes. We got a really loyal group of people around the world, and I know they got a lot out of this. So yeah. stand by for some DMs, Gene. Yeah, right. And we'll, <laughs> talk, we'll talk more about Shay and Louise and aromatherapy um, on part two. But real quick, okay. Ma- Maxwell is spelled I'll, in- I'll attach all that in the show notes. Perfect. Website, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah, if you guys want to connect with Gene, just uh, click the details below this show and I'll Perfect. have it all in there for you guys to find. So easy day. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Gene. And I can't wait for the next one, man. This was so yeah, cool, man. Yeah. We'll get it on the books quick. Yeah. This was so cool. Thank you so much for your time. This was, uh, this thank was you guys awesome. Again for having me. It was great to see both of you and, and talk with you about this. And uh, yeah, I look forward to part two. You got yeah. anything biscuit? Um, no, I look forward. I got a ton of notes, Gene, on stuff that I want to like dig into more and what we ended with. I'm so excited. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, I look forward to the next one. So yeah, let me know and uh, I'll be, I'll be there. All right, guys, this is the three of seven podcast. Enough said.